fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not all perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Lord God, thank you for your word. We pray that it would dwell in our, in our hearts through faith, for we ask in the name of Jesus. So we are in Jonah chapter 3. Do keep your Bibles open. Um, as Mark said, there's a little bit of fish food out there, maybe some, definitely some fishy business. Um, I came up with the idea of doing um, a series on Jonah. I didn't actually plan to preach for Jonah 3, but I am quite happy uh, to be preaching for Jonah 3 um, for a few reasons. We're going to have a few images up on the screen, uh, and we'll get to a, a niche uh, topic of mine. So, the beginning of Jonah 3 is this classic moment, the moment I'm sure we're all familiar with, Jonah being spat out of the fish. Uh, and if we go to the second slide, this um, is uh, the reason why in the region it may have been, you know, quite a sort of notable moment Dagon or Dagan was a fish god of the Philistines in Philistia and probably in Nineveh as well. So if you're going to catch someone's attention, it's going to be by them thinking, you know, God is out there, God is big, unknowable, Leviathan-like thing, and there is a person who is spat out of his mouth. Now, this, I think, we've come across before. Now we'll get to one of my most niche uh, favorite topics. Um, if you know this, this is called an ambo. If we didn't have an ambo, I might have been preaching from a pulpit. Uh, we, don't, we don't bother with one of those. Uh, and there are actually Jonah-themed pulpits. I kid you not. Now, I am sort of bigging this up because this is absolutely ridiculous. Um, anyone who thought of a Jonah-based pulpit was probably unusual. For someone who saw it and then said, I'm going to do even better than that, good on them. But apparently across Bavarian Poland, uh, they became a real thing. 
Uh, and so let's have a look at some of them now. Here is our first one. So you can see that you walk up the, the, the base of, of the, uh, the fish and you stand inside the mouth. A bit like Jonah being spat out, the prophet being spat out. I just don't know how you could be taken seriously standing in, in the middle of one of these. Um, the thing is, they get better. Uh, let's have our next one. Um, this is possibly the most outrageous. Um, yeah, I just... That, the, the top of the mouth looks so cartoony, doesn't it? Um, I actually just couldn't hold a straight face if I was looking at someone who was standing in the middle of one of these pulpits. Maybe something a bit more sensible. Uh, this is actually quite an old one. So this is designed of um, a pulpit which has two sides, um, which actually originally is the ambo. Ambos had um, stairs on both sides. Um, but on this side, we see um, the, the fish has scales, it has wings, it has horns. It's, it's definitely a leviathan-like thing, but Jonah is appearing from it. The weird thing is, and I couldn't get the image from the other side, it has Jonah going in. <laughs> so, sort of, you go up on one side, Jonah goes in, you speak, and, and then Jonah comes out the other side. I mean, this is probably, uh, must, must be about 15 centuries old. Um, I think it's in Turkey, this one. There's some fish on there. This sort of started it all going, uh, and they thought they would go more ridiculous. Do we have any more? Now, this is absolutely outrageous, and I'm going to show it in context. Um, this is our most ornate. The fish is sort of coiled up. The prophets are there. It's got teeth. Um, again, I couldn't sort of um, take this person there seriously if they were standing in them. Um, but let's go to the next slide because it shows it in the context of the whole church. So this tiny thing, not the big square, this tiny thing is, is the, the, um, the communion table. So you can see quite how large the fish is. The fish is probably two, three times the height of the communion table. You've got this lavish thing. You've even got another pulpit on the other side. You didn't even need that one. But apparently the, the prophet speaks out of the fish. And there is this notable idea uh, that they really took hold of in, in Poland that um, out of the mouth of the fish comes the word of the prophet. And so that is our theme for today. Uh, do we then just have another screen? Let's... Ah, nice picture of Nineveh. This is a picture from the, the British Museum, an artist's depiction based on archaeological evidence of what Nineveh looked like. These multi-story temples, highly painted buildings, huge colonnades. When our reading said that it took three days to, to cross, uh, Nineveh was one of the biggest cities of its era. The idea that Jonah walked for a whole day was just to get to the middle. And then, do we, do we have a final slide? That, let's leave it there. There's a nice picture of Nineveh for our background. So, 
Jonah has been spat out the mouth of the, the fish, the Leviathan, however we want to see it. God is getting their attention. So the passage starts like this. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. And so this is a repeat of chapter 1. God has given his message to Jonah. This time he's actually doing it. He's not kicking up a fuss. Says it was an exceedingly large city, three days' walk. So Jonah seems to have gone and tried to find something of the middle, something of a notable place, and it says that he has gone and preached this. Forty days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast, and everyone, um, great and small, put on sackcloth. Interesting at this point, I think the Ninevites have a greater faith than Jonah does. The way that it puts it sounds like the destruction of Nineveh is almost a given. And certainly the way that Jonah portrays it gives the idea that Jonah thinks that this is the end of Nineveh. They can't turn it around in this short length of time but the Ninevites see a way of contrition. They actually see a way of changing their plight. So preaching doom seems a harsh thing to do, and especially today. Surely God wants to be nice, right? I think Jonah actually did want to proudly pronounce doom on the Ninevites. Nineveh, you've been a bully. You've been the ones who I don't think can turn it round. Oh, that's a bit disappointing. You managed to do it. But the king makes a decree. He makes it happen. It says, who knows? God may relent and change his mind. He may turn from his fierce anger so that we do not perish. I like this. It says most of this situation is out of our hands. But there is something we can do. There is, we can turn away from our wicked ways. Maybe we can show we're different. And who knows, maybe we can be involved in turning around this situation for good. Verse 10 says this, When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. I love that. God changed his mind. Now that's a pretty mind-blowing statement in and of itself. An interesting idea. How do we get God to change his mind? Does God change his mind? Did God know that the Ninevites would turn? I think that's a bit hard for us to get our head around. But the Ninevites were able to see that their, their outcome was in their own hands, that they could change the outcome. Now the Jewish people in the Old Testament often would believe that God wanted to bless his chosen people. 
that he worked through his chosen people, the Jewish people. But this is one of many examples of God working in the Old Testament through people who weren't followers traditionally of God, but showing that God wanted to bless a much wider group than they traditionally had thought. And this surprises Jonah. It surprised him back in chapter 1. He didn't believe that God wanted to bless the Ninevites. And here again in chapter 3, he's gone and he's made his declamation. He says, you know, the time's up for you guys. I don't think you're going to make it. But instead of destruction, we have a turning to God. And actually, a turning to God is a much greater outcome. Destruction of a city, that's nothing. But that people would turn to God, that is the desired outcome. That is what God wanted all along. It's funny, I don't know if Jonah even saw it. Until about 2014, uh, in the city of Mosul, there was a shrine to Jonah. Unfortunately, it was destroyed by ISIS. Mosul is the city that is built on modern-day Nineveh. And they remembered this moment, that God can reach beyond his traditional boundaries, that God can speak to anyone, that God can change anyone that he likes. And actually, that he can use anyone, even Jonah in his blinkered, ways. Jonah is used powerfully for God. It's funny, through all of these chapters, we see that Jonah is a very unlikely prophet. But God is bigger than Jonah, and God works through Jonah, in spite of Jonah. We could put our own names, in spite of me, through me. God wants to reach out to those whom he doesn't know. God powerfully uses him. And my encouragement to you is come back next week because the story gets better and better. Next week we'll see that Jonah still hasn't changed. Jonah is still that fallen, let's say grumpy, character that we knew in chapter 1. And if you ever get grumpy with God... It's going to be a fun one for you, so come along for that. God is big. Jonah is used by... by um, God uses Jonah powerfully uh, for his glory. He is able to do more than Jonah can see, even that Jonah can comprehend. And I think this is our challenge for us tonight. Will we choose to be used by God? Will we allow ourselves to hear the word of God? And will we allow ourselves to be surprised by God? Back in chapter 1, Jonah tried to go in the opposite direction. In chapter 2, he has that change um, of heart. He, he really gets a sense of who God has for him. And then chapter 3, he is used powerfully for God. This is an arc 
that we can all be on. Shall we pray together? Lord God, thank you for that example of Jonah. Thank you that you call each one of us. We're sorry for those times when we don't see the big plan you have uh, for those around us. We pray that sometimes you'd use us in spite of ourselves. And we pray that we would be used powerfully for your glory, that we would know you at work in our lives and through our lives. For we ask in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.